Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski here as usual with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm doing well. Good. Uh, today, we have quite a variety of stuff to talk about. We are going to start with the Future of Film Showcase, uh, which is a yearly festival that is dedicated uh, to shorts and also to fostering uh, and nurturing emerging Canadian filmmakers, so young talent. Um, and so this year, as, as it did last year, it's going to be available through streaming. Um, it's available on CBC Gem, which is a, a totally free streaming service available from CBC. It's, it has been running, uh, but and it's going to continue to run until the 22nd. So there's there's still time, lots of time to see this. Um, so let, let's start. Where do you want to start? Well, we can um, jump in with one that I know we both saw, which was Sophie and Jacob, uh, the short film directed by Max Shoham. And it's a animated work that looks at... Um, the experience of individuals who were back in, I guess, 1940 on a vessel to Palestine, and they essentially got rejected by the British government. And this these were the, the ship was essentially filled with um, Jewish people escaping the, the cruelty of, of Nazi Germany. So it's focusing on... Just to just to augment what you were saying, they were escaping like the cruelty that uh, and the anti-Semitism that was raging across all of Europe. Yes, yes, that is, is, yeah, especially Germany. Yeah, yeah, that is true because there you, you do get two um, individuals that essentially kind of find each other, Sophie and Jacob, on on this ship and become friends, and you know through their budding friendship, you, you it, it's a very interesting film because through their friendship you see the horrors that they've each had to endure the anti-semitism the um just the way how many countries denied them access to the point where they're on the ship and situations very dire and you don't know what's going to um happen to them and i think what i really liked about this film is how the animation weaves a really harrowing and um i don't want to say depressing but a really powerful story because there's a lot of emotion in this but yet you walk away with a sense of love and hope. And that's a very difficult task to do. And, and I think Shoham does it beautifully with this film. Yes, I, I agree with you there. Like it's through their relationship, despite all the horrors, uh, it's through their relationship. It's a story of resilience. Um, and I think the animation really uh, does a lot to enhance exactly uh what's going on in the film um i noticed that they were you know at at the beginning they were like basically black and white they were like shades of gray that they were drawn in shades of gray and things that were significant were like added as accents you know for example there's a part that prompts one of them to leave her country uh sophie to leave is that when the neighbor's house gets burned down and the neighbor's house is actually in grayscale 
but so it enhances like the the horror of the flames right and then you see the ship and it's like yeah it's like color is added as an accent and that enriches the experience emotionally you know no matter what level of emotion we're at at that stage and it's also it's complicated yeah we do walk away with a sense of hope um, but before we get there it's it's quite complicated you know the feelings and stuff because this is a story from history that that really did happen i mean even canada rejected boats mm-hmm. that's true um, of jewish refugees right so it's this old story of refugees and countries rejecting them boatloads of refugees and this is still happening and that is what uh what really struck me about the film is is that it is still happening um and uh, yeah and and the fact that you hear their voices in first person i thought also that brings a sort of an urgency and immediacy um that really underscores the emotional impact of the film yeah and it's a it's a universal story in terms of the the hardship and the, the refugee experience but it's also for the director as you get to the end a very personal story because there's a direct connection to the events that are going on and i don't know i think it just it works on so many levels like i was thinking about the line where they had uh, referenced they took our bo- they took our homes and they took our bodies and that in just relation yeah. to like the abuse and how it was from every level because you know as i said we're talking about that era of history where those anti-semitism was running rampant but it wasn't just like the nazi regime it was the police officers it was their neighbors the local store like you know there was just so much hatred so it's yeah a very powerful work that highly recommend people check out yeah me too okay um and also we saw uh, a film called gajanaktuk which is an inuit word for beautiful um it's a film by ella morton and what happens is an inuit elder she's reflecting on her home in nunavut canada well here we know none of it and um and maybe we don't know none of it because uh, she is reflecting she's you know as i said an elder so she is reflecting on the way life was a long time ago how life was different uh for inuit people she's reflecting on history so you know in terms of history being told by elders she is you know doing this um and she it's personal but she's also giving us information about inuit life inuit philosophy like inuit relation to nature and um creatures in nature just the the land even the air and it's such an intricate um relationship uh beautiful uh she speaks in her native language and uh we hear the rhythm and the poetry and the beauty of the language um and this is all you know it comes together into this like beautiful weave of this like this memory and this sort of building up of t- of a time and a place and a way of life uh and then you know reality she t- starts to talk about the reality of what actually happened when the government with their policies you know started to um interfere and move people and like destroy 
the relationship and how things are different in, in Nunavut now, in Iqaluit now, um, and uh, how she feels that there's, you know, a loss. And um, I don't, it's, it's amazing also to me how, how um, Ella Morton creates this, this interesting correlation with what's going on in the imagery. You know, it start, the imagery starts off sort of idyllic and, and then there's this really interesting hand processing, uh, it's optical printing actually, that starts to happen that it, it coincides basically with uh, what the woman is talking about. Um, so it, it's like a process that you're watching um, and the woman's spirit is, is really quite remarkable as you're listening to her. Yeah, it's um, it was fascinating, and, and I just said was the the optical printing technique was was really interesting in in this film, especially because the way how it opens, there's a lot of focus on nature and like the stillness of the land, and then and then you know you start to see the little black dots, and at times I think orange colored dots appear on the screen, and then as she starts to really dive into the experiences, the screen gets very cluttered you know all that beauty is now being um obstructed by by darkness at a time and you know there there's a moment where she's talking about how they can forgive some of the atrocities but they'll never forget um and that yes. whole notion of memory but then also because of the atrocities she later on refers to how some people have forgotten their roots and forgotten their culture because essentially you know the government and has brought in consumerism you know and the value of life and fellowship is gone now for the mighty dollar and it's just yeah it was a really interesting work it's it's almost deceptively simple in its approach yeah. with the way yeah, how it, it uses the footage and the techniques but it really the the style that this film employs really forces you to focus on what's being said and not only the imagery that's showing on the screen, but also the imagery that the narrator is putting in your mind as well. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. And so I, I think we both agree that uh, Gajanak yeah, is, uh, you know, quite an amazing experience by, by a film by Ella Morton. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, like, but of the films that I've chosen to talk about, I feel like there's a lot of hands-on from these filmmakers and that, that gets me very excited. It's also, is very unconventional. Uh, they're not beautiful images. These are not stories, you know, that are told in a very conventional way. There's always, you know, some element of the visuals um, and of the storytelling that is, uh, you know, it just, it's slightly different. It's more poetic. It's more lyrical. It's just, um, I just love this new sort of vision that I'm seeing that people are not, you know, trying to make little tiny uh, films uh, that look like American films. You know what I mean? There's something different going on that I see. I don't know if you want to add anything to, to that observation. No, no, I think it's uh it's, it's valid. Like, I think this whole series from what I've seen so far is unique styles from these filmmakers. There's a lot of original filmmaking that's going on and it's great to see. 
so yeah, I'm just going to jump into a film called Far Away. Uh, it really impressed me, this film. Far Away, directed by Aziz Aromba. Uh, it's about a, a young Arab man who's been estranged from his family uh, over his sexuality, his homosexuality, right? Um, and he he's we see him he's quite alone and it, it's really interesting the way the film observes him uh there's a lot of close-ups of him and you know his desire to to speak to his mother but the family preventing him you know and he he's he's clearly suffering from being estranged um and he ha luckily has this relationship with this woman who is there as a support system. What I really appreciated about this film is um, in this, in the observational approach that it takes, it's very expressive because it really allows imagery to do most of the work. And so, like I said, you know, you've got these extreme close-ups of him, and then you've got these like more distant shots of either him with his friend or buildings you know people people in solitude in buildings like you see through a, a building the side of a building and you see someone inside the window and intercut all of these you have to see it intercut together it's all very it's building up a sense of this man's inner world and his you know his inner turmoil over what's going on and and the elliptical episodic nature of the of the film as well uh, makes it so incredibly like expressive in that way in a poetic in a lyrical way uh, it says so much about the man and his situation and about the family and about you know anybody who finds themselves in that kind of situation where you know through no fault of their own their family is angry and, it, you know, just like in Gajanaktak, language was very important because in Gajanaktak, it was important to hear the native language, right? And so language is very important in this when he, he he's, uh, he's in Quebec. So when he chooses to speak French and then sometimes when English breaks through and the times when Arabic He's, when he uses Arabic, like you see how those are also signifiers in the whole thing that that express so much about what it means to be, you know, an individual in society, but also an individual that's part of a family and how family structures and family beliefs, you know, sometimes can 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 really hurt a person through nobody's fault. Right. It's nobody's fault. It's just, you know. The way people are so oh that sounds very good yeah highly recommend that one um one i'm going to bring up since we're talking about family relationships and dynamics is parlor palm and this was a film directed by rebecca love and it follows a married couple um as a riff starts to grow between them and the husband is a lawyer who's working, you know, he's overworked and he's working towards landing this partnership at the firm he's at. And that's how the film starts off. But then you start to realize the story is really about his wife, who is 
experiencing growing anxiety and paranoia based off of climate change. So the film itself actually takes place primarily in the couple's home, essentially in the dining room. And when the film starts off, you get a shot of the dining room from one of the other um, adjacent rooms. So just kind of outside and you kind of see them going through their daily routines, um, just the, the love that's being built and whatnot. And then once the story really kicks in, you get close-ups and there's a lot of close-ups on her and it's very interesting technique that's used because it starts to build the sense of uncomfortableness, you know, the close-ups specifically on Melissa, the wife, and then the house plant becomes very important and you get close-ups on that. And then later on, as Melissa starts to unravel, the housewife starts, or the wife starts to un- unravel, you get the shots again from the distance. You're back outside in the, in the next room and you really start to see, and you start to learn that, you know, she hasn't quite been taking her meds and she's spending all her time online reading articles that are talking about climate change. And then she starts to detest her husband because he's working for a big firm and big firms work in big buildings and they're not environmentally sound. And it's just this really unique push and pull relationship to the point where he's almost like at the margins and we're just really focusing on on the wife and it's it's a really interesting film um i think the performances by sarah i think it's um swire uh, i'm not sure if i'm my apologies if i'm mispronouncing that but she's fantastic as the the wife in this picture because she really has to carry the the bulk load of the of the film um and it's just a it's a really interesting performance and what the film what director rebecca love manages to achieve in such a limited space really you really feel like you're in the long haul like this is something that the husbands have to have been dealing with for for a while now and it just keeps getting progressively worse so it's a very interesting look at you know climate change paranoia but also mental illness um relationships it's it's, it's a really interesting work wow that sounds great i'm just going to end off uh, with a film, you know, it's, it's, I think it's fantastic that we're talking a lot about um, the styles, uh, the approaches that the filmmakers are taking. I, I know I've, I've already talked about this. I know. So, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go on about it, but it's, I, I'm still just very excited to know that the future is so is going to be so interesting stylistically. Um, and I'm just going to end off with uh, an a- animated film. So, you know, I mentioned that somehow I ended up watching some a bunch of animation. And um, this one is a very short film with a very long title, which is always very interesting. My head aches when I look too long. It's directed by Callahan Bracken. Okay, so th- this this is about a gay man and his relationship to technology, it's it's his relationship to his sexuality, uh, how it manifests, um, but also it's um, you know how the implications of modern technology, and and so you know he he's sort of like looking at his queerness through the the lens of this modern technology, and how how that interrelates back to him, you know, um, because you know he he's watching porn, so. It's, it's not that simple, though, 
because the film uses uh, digital and traditional animation techniques. It goes by very quickly, but it, there's so much going on visually. There's so many textures. Um, there's so many emotions evoked and feelings evoked. Uh, it's really hard to put into words, which is uh, actually my way of giving a film a, a really high compliment, you know, because this is a visual idea and it's, it really does work best if you are um, in, indulging, engaging with it, you know, by watching it and not by listening to me. So I'm just going to say my heart, I'm just going to say, watch my headaches when I look too long. And yeah, so all of these films we've been talking about are available on CBC Gem until the 22nd. CBC Gem is, you know, an app that's free, totally free, totally easy to get onto. So the future is exciting. That's the future of Film Showcase. So where should we go next? You want to talk about the, the Bourdain documentary that we both saw? Okay, so there's a Bourdain film coming. It's called Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. And uh, it's coming up very soon on the 16th in theaters. And it's from the filmmaker, the Academy Award winning filmmaker, Morgan Neville. He's, he's an expert in making docs about people, groups of people like he made 20 feet from stardom which that's what the one he won an academy award for and 20 feet from stardom if you remember is, is the one about um backup singers where he he talked to backup singers he talked to lead singers and you know they talked about the relationship um he he's also really good at biographical documentaries he made uh the one about mr rogers won't you be my neighbor the doc was about fred rogers right um, so this is a very intimate behind the scenes look at Anthony Bourdain, the, you know, the chef, and he was a cultural icon as well. And, um, unfortunately he killed himself. So that, that was famous as well. Um, but he, he was known, you know, for books he wrote and he was known for TV series that he was in. And, um, he was also uh, very renowned for, opening up the world in terms of what people were interested in. Like he, he was among the first chefs or among the first like TV personalities to go to places like Vietnam and it, it, places in Asia and really uh, talk about and enjoy and, and put into the foreground, like Asian cooking. And, you know, he went like, he put into the foreground Arab cooking like he was like unconventional that way which was great because it just opened up the entire world to everybody um but he was also this like he was this personality um that was kind of tough right he seemed tough but he also he had this like this other I guess vulnerable side but anyway the documentary I think Neville and his team went through something like 10,000 hours of episodes of Bourdain talking about stuff. Um, so this, this, like previous films, it intercuts Bourdain himself speaking with interviews with people who knew him, colleagues and friends. Um, I, what I really liked 
about the film was the way that it fills in um it fills in a lot of information like Bourdain the person it seems to anyway um and it really is looking to help us understand the person and how possibly that individual that he's you know he's building up a sense of through his friends and stuff how that person came to to be the personality but also an individual who then got to, to the point where he considered and then executed suicide on himself you know i phrased that wrong but a person who would even consider suicide let alone do it which was you know that was like a huge shock to everyone so this i find i found this very emotionally powerful uh it had it had a great effect on me and uh, i feel like this is a film that i could go back to over and over because he was such an enigmatic character and what he did just you know it makes sense when you see the film but it's like it's still like uh like why you know i think that's that's the biggest question that still remains why but you can but neville finds a way to make sense of it yeah it's a uh, interesting i don't know if i would go back to this one um i liked it if anything it made me want to dive into anthony bourdain's life even further like i found for me as someone who always kind of observed bourdain from a distance you know wasn't really i never really got into his show or stuff i after watching this i borrowed um kitchen confidential from the library and i'm currently reading like it it made me want to dive in more in that way and i think that's uh a great achievement for the film i think the film as with the people who are featured within it struggles to really capture or not capture but struggles to come to terms with the the paradox that is anthony bourdain because on one hand you've got this guy who has a huge fan base introduced the world to to traveling different types of food how you look at societies different um in a certain way and then you also have this guy who came off as arrogant brash very privileged um you know at times condescending but then he's also to those he was really close to caring compassionate loyal like he he's he's many things and you know as humans we are all complex and i find that this film really struggles with how to leave a positive impression of bourdain ah, you, you ah, see ah, that with a lot of okay, i have to come back to this i'm, I'm gonna like, talk to you about that in a second yeah, you finish yeah. wait because i was just gonna say you see a lot of his friends and loved ones and i think this is what hit me the most about the film is like you know they there's they're still mourning they're still grieving they're still um they're still going trying to work through their emotions about his suicide and they deep down want to have the world remember him in the best possible light as you always do when someone passes but in their their grief there's still the acknowledgement that there's a side to him that we have to reckon with and if we reckon with it it may not necessarily put the best image of him to those who don't quite know so it's a very, it's a very push and pull and it's a very it's a good film it's a very interesting film i just i think for me it was more of a a perfect gateway into 
diving deeper on my own in my own research, opposed to watching this and, and thinking, okay, I've got a full picture of, of Anthony Bourdain. Just to get back to what you were saying, um, I think that in, in the, the way that it deals with the paradox that is Anthony Bourdain, he's exactly, I feel it felt right. I don't think it is trying to leave you with a positive impression of him. I think it's trying to get to the heart of the matter the heart, you know, trying to understand him to the point where it can, you know, present positive and negative and go, look, this is what this guy was. This is exactly what this guy was. He was like this, but on the other hand, he was like this. And there are, there are clues that his friends give. And in fact, one of his friends tells an awful story, something that Bourdain said that was awful, but he, and he says it. And it's like, Nobody, nobody left that on the cutting room floor. You know, it's in there. And it's like, that says so much about Bourdain because he could be awful. And the reticence of certain people to speak. I don't know if I was reading into it, but it just seemed to me like it was like, can't say that. Yeah, because it would make him look awful, but it's there. It's like telegraphed all over their face. It's the shot is still left in there. You know, that moment is left in there. And, you know, you know that uh, that there's some awful stories this individual is holding back on. Uh, yeah, I like, agree with that. But I think I, I still feel like it's it's still trying to put end off with him in, in the best possible life. And the reason why I say that is because the first half of this film spends so much on building him up as, you know, how his success grew and how he traveled. And, you know, he was a little tough to deal with, especially when the show was first coming around, didn't quite know what to do, but, you know, once they found the rhythm, he kind of achieved all these, like the first half of this film is really his success is success. And then at some point the film was like, okay, we have to acknowledge he had a darker side and here's how, you know, it's going to be like, even in the final days, those around him are referring to like a lot of the warning signs that they saw some, there's a lot of remorse for not being able, like survivors go, they weren't able to, to help him the way they all wanted to. But, and you also see from the Bourdain perspective, he's, he might've been spinning out of control, but in his own mind, he was probably at his most, calming if you will like there's there's some indications of what might have pushed him off the ledge which i think the film gets a little prickly about um in terms of not wanting to blame particular individuals while leaning heavily that maybe this particular individual and things that happened set him off yes yeah I I, yes i think that's very clear go ahead yeah so it's a, it's a little tough to to reconcile with but i feel that at the end of the day this film still wants to leave you with that kind of he was a bad boy in the bad boy image but underneath that bad boy was still a caring compassionate man who you know his fans will still like there's a reason why he has the beloved fans and i feel like this is a film that his fans his hardcore fans will absolutely love um and newcomers can still enjoy but i don't know if if they would have the same love that the hardcore fans will so, like, for, as I said, for me, it made me want to look more into Bourdain, which is, you know, probably the best that a film can do when you're not mm-hmm. 
yeah um, that attached to a subject but i think because he's such a complicated man you don't walk away from this film really focusing on the bad aspects you acknowledge him you say like he's human we all have our bad moments but i still think it it does its best to put him in the best possible light at the end of the day his his legacy it, it it's interesting because to me it was like I'm not like a hardcore fan. I, I, I read Kitchen Confidential and I watched some of the shows and I started, you know, to sort of be interested, but there was always that bad boy thing that kind of like um, uh, made me keep at a distance, right? Because it was like, you're responsible for that whole dude culture of foodies, right? This guy, right? And so, like, there was even when I read Kitchen Confidential, it's like, oh, such a dude sometimes, you know. And so, coming to the film, it was like it was actually more interesting to see more of the other side that there was that there was a lot more to this individual. So, I think what the film succeeds in in the end is to take this cultural icon where where people are like love him or hate him. It takes that. And it, it sort of goes, no, this is a, a human being just like the rest of us. And it's really hard to recreate for you who this person was because all we have is like stuff. We have what he wrote. We have what he said on camera. Uh, we're trying to like get, a, get an insight from his friends, but his friends are being, you know, like, so the film is like trying it's, I guess I was always conscious of the fact that this film, any film is a construction, right? So maybe because uh, I do that, like I, I am aware of these things, the films as constructions. I, I don't know. I had a complicated reaction to this because there are things I didn't know and there are aspects, but, and there, I just feel like it takes, the film takes, this uh sort of this icon person of an iconic you know either or status you love him you hate him and says look it was it was much more complicated than that and here's the facts or here's what we think the facts are here's what we know this is all we can sort of glean from the situation um and Here's an ins some insights, and it it makes him pers a person, like a human. Yeah, it, it, it humanizes him, and that's that's definitely one of the things yeah, it achieves. That's a success. That that yeah. to me is successful. It's like it humanizes him. Um, where before it was like you love him, you hate him. You know, he's a dude. He's a you know a foodie. He's a traveler. He's a it's like no well he he was a human like the rest of us and he had he had these things going on all these yeah. things were going on. yeah and i think that's one you know, one of the reasons I, I recommend the film even though i have some issues with it it's still a very interesting look into to bourdain and i think the fact that he's so complex and that this film and even the people around him have trouble really capturing the fullest because he's just you know he's, he's human he, we're all a lot yeah. more complex than than we we appear to be so yeah definitely one that recommend people should see 
Yeah. I, well, obviously me too. I think, I think, I, I think I don't have to say it, right? I think it was clear for me <laughs> when I was talking, right? But okay. But okay. So let's, let's go from Bourdain. Anyway, so that, that opens on the 16th in theaters, in theaters. Um, and now speaking of big films in theaters, is it in theaters? Oh, anyway, yes. Yep. It's in, um, complicated reactions. Sometimes people have complicated reactions to superhero Marvel movies. And what did you think of black widow? Um, I had complicated reactions to it. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kate Shortland's uh, Black Widow film, and I, I know some people might remember director Kate Shortland. She did a film called Lore a few years ago. She's done a bunch of films, but Lore is the one that always sticks out in my head that played at TIFF um, about these German kids who were, if I remember correctly, believed highly in the Nazis, and then through things happening to their parents are left on their own and start to realize that the world may not necessarily be how the Germans have conveyed it to them uh but anyway she's got her latest film is the big budget marvel extravaganza black widow and this film is i guess in theory even though it's the 24th marvel film it actually comes kind of in the middle chronologically it comes after captain america civil war where the avengers are broken up and um natasha romanoff aka black widow is is on the run um, and through a series of events, she comes in possession of these vials that her sister um, has sent to her to keep safe, her sister Yelena. And it's basically Black Widows then forced to go to Budapest, kind of revisit the past, reconnect with her estranged sister and her, her family to figure out what these vials are for. and essentially saved the world from a really big bad. And you, you find out that Elena and black and Natasha Romanoff, black widow, they were part of this makeshift spy family. So their parents aren't really their parents, but they were all undercover Russian agents living in America until they had to flee. Uh, once they went back to Russia, they all kind of got dispersed. So Elena and black widow got sent into this, program known as the red room where young girls are abducted and essentially brainwashed to become assassins and natasha escaped but yelena did not so there's a lot of that tension and the the guy who was overseeing it is this man by the name of drakoff who's played uh wonderfully by ray winston and most of the film is yelena and black widow trying to find the location of this red room so that they can essentially dismantle this program once and for all, at least start to dismantle it because apparently there's widow agents all over the place. So that's the, the basic premise of the film. It's your typical Marvel movie. So there's dramatic beats, but there's wonderful action set pieces. Um, Kate Shortland, this first half of the film really flies. Like she really does a good job of kind of blending the family drama between the sisters and the, the action set pieces. Um, being they're being chased by the villains there's this one villain known as taskmaster who's kind of like a terminator type mach killing machine that he can mimic your fighting style or mimic anything he sees so the first half really flies by the second half is where for me it gets a little complicated because it starts to delve more into the 
family aspects where they realize they have to get essentially the family back together. So David Harbour plays Alexi, who's like the, the father of the family. And Rachel Weiss plays Melina, um, who's essentially the mother. And for me, the family drama didn't quite work um, with the first half of the film. Like, I think it really ruins the pacing and kind of hinders the, the big final action set piece that all these Marvel films have. Like it just didn't work. I, I've seen a lot of reviews where people love the family aspect and weren't so keen on the, the action. So it really is, uh, you know, it divides people in, in that way. But you know, most people really love this film. I was more lukewarm on it. It's fun, entertaining, at least especially the first half. I would probably watch it again at some point down the line, but in relation to Marvel movies and just action movies in general, it wasn't one that really stuck with me um, much longer after I saw it. And I think part of it's also because this is the first time that Black Widow's finally had her own film. We've, if you follow the Marvel stories, we've seen her for over a decade in all these other films, but her, her big solo debut doesn't really feel like it's for her. It feels like it's basically setting up either a TV pilot or another series of movies for her sister, Yelena, played by um, Florence Pugh, who's, who's wonderful. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's wonderful in it. Yeah. Um, but it's just when you watch it, like, oh, this movie really feels like it's someone else's film. And Black Widow is just kind of helping usher in this new female hero um, well, that's terrible because we need all the female heroes we you know we can get and like the female power on the screen and we got female power in the director's chairs yeah and there's a lot of uh, think, like, females yeah there's a lot of females kicking butt in this in this film um i just yeah i just wish there was a little i guess it, i just wish it, it melded better and i wish black widow was more prominent than she was like I, i'll be happy to watch florence view in a marvel film of her own because she's she's really the best thing about this movie but it's just you know you've waited for so long for a black widow film and i was like oh this is this is the film we got like she should have had a film in theory like 12 films ago they should have done a black widow film but marvel has been super slow in terms of giving female representation i know this new wave of films is really pushing diversity. Um, you're going to see, I guess, the new Captain Marvel film is going to have a whole bunch of really cool female superheroes in it, you know. But it's just the fact that it's taken the studio this long to to make a film, and this is the film they make. To me, it was a little disappointing, but most of the reviews have been raving, and it's made a, a whole slew of money at the theater. So, you know, it's hmm. people will still be entertained. Hmm. Interesting, huh? interesting to see that the reactions but yeah as you said that it took them that long and then it's almost like it sounds i don't know anything about this but it sounds like you know they they made the mistake or you know they had a problem finally getting a, a female superhero right it took them that long and then they decided they wanted to fix the problem by setting up you know like what you said about it, it's like they're setting up they're going to fix the problem and from now on They've set up a situation where they can easily have other super female superhero movies coming straight from this one, right? Yeah, kind of, kind of. They, it's it's one of those where they've Marvel has always had a uh, a horrible track record of setting up the next film, right? So sometimes even 
during the current film you're watching, they will shift gears. And it's like, oh, you've instead of really focusing on making this film great, you've now set it up for the next two or three films. So, you know, there's going to be interesting Yelena film what's going moving down the future. But I think Black Widow is a character that if you've watched the Avenger films and Captain America, it's like you, you're, you've you've known her. They Avengers Endgame has such a powerful emotional sequence with Black Widow that fans are still upset about. There's a choice that has to be made. And, you know, you've gone that far with it that you feel, okay, let's bring something really interesting, you know, really play off of that. And it's like, oh, you just kind of killed that wonderful moment by showing us a little ho-hum. Like if this film didn't exist, it doesn't really change your view about the character and all the other films to begin with, right? Like I think those other films should have built up something that you're really like, oh, I really want to see more Black Widow films. And now I'm like, ah, we might see a Black Widow, you know. Like yeah. It's just kind of how it is. I don't know. It's, again, people love it. If you're a Marvel fan, you're going to watch it regardless because Marvel's this one super epic long soap opera, just like the comics. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it tie, you everything ties in the TV, it, the films. Right? Yeah, and you have it, to see it, right? <laughs> but I'll, the final thing I'll say is, like, my son was a huge Black Widow fan. Um, and I think he still he still enjoys the character, but he of all people was really excited to see this movie. And by the end of it, he was just like, eh, it was okay, you know. And this is, you know, <laughs> no. a ten year old were like that was one of his favorite. Like, if you say what who are your top two favorite superheroes, yeah. Black Widow is 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 either number one or number two. And he was just kind of like, mm, you know, it it was all right. And <laughs> when you get that reaction from a ten year old who is all things Black Widow loves. Yeah, you know, yeah, kind that's of, not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good sign. But again, people, it's if you're looking for an it's entertaining, entertaining Marvel, right? Yeah. yeah, it's entertaining. It's you know, Marvel. It's it's not the worst Marvel film. As I said, it's middle of the pack. It's it's fine. It's I just wasn't it's a in love with film, it. Right? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's a summer film, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So on that fun note, well, yeah, summer is a fun note, right? Yeah, definitely um shall we say goodbye sure there's plenty of stuff for for people to watch okay well yeah that sounds good like we've talked about a bunch of films bunch of options and uh you know we'll keep you guys posted thanks for listening to frameline and we'll catch you next time